listening to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, to Jesus Christ. And this is not Joe McLean because this is Adrian Fonseca, your producer. And today is actually the day after the Feast of the Assumption. And because of that, the GRN generously gives the Catholic Drive Time team a day off. And actually, when you're listening to this, I'm going to I'm actually flying in from Ohio back into Houston. So I was just spinning up uh, Ohio. I was in Ohio to uh, see the Dominican friars. The brothers there were making their first vows and I went up to go see them. Praise be to God. I'm sure it was amazing. I'll let you know all about it probably on Friday. And uh, tomorrow will be this whole week, Monday through Thursday. It's all going to be pre-recorded shows because today is the Feast of the Assumption. We're celebrating that, so we're not here. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on the other hand, we will not be here because we are going to be on the GRN retreat, which means we won't be in studio. But don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're like, oh my goodness, the GRN team is gone. What will I do with myself? But praise be to God, we have something for you. Today, we have Father Frankovich, who is a exorcist, and he's going to be talking about the importance of forgiveness. Patrick Coffin will be on on tomorrow. And he's going to be talking about a whole slew of things. You won't going to miss that interview. And there was so much in that interview that we weren't even able to fit it in uh, during the show. So there's going to be more that's going to be exclusive online. And then Gabriel Castillo is going to be on on Wednesday to talk about the uh, family, talk about trying to be a Catholic family and raising Catholic children. And then on Thursday, Noel Marrying is on to talk about Awake, Not Woke, uh, which is a great book. The interview went so well. I highly recommend uh, tuning in to all these programs across the GRN and Station of the Cross. Thank you very much, listeners from Station of the Cross. Anyway, today, what is the plan? So we are going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, then maybe no breaking news, but maybe we'll have a small commentary. I'll try to comment on the uh, the Saint of the Day and, and the Gospel of the Day. And then uh, we will go in, out of the go to break, and then we get back. It'll be Father Frankovich, and we'll do the interview for the rest of the show. And the next hour... We're going to have uh, no game show this week, so no game show this whole week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, uh, because we will not be here, so you know, too, don't, don't have the uh, game show, but don't worry, we're still going to have content there, so we're going to have an interview there, and we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day again, and the same uh, format, So, but don't worry, next week, back to our regularly scheduled programming, this Friday, back to our regularly scheduling programming, we're going to have a live show, Joe and I will be back in the studio, and uh, jo- Janelle is actually going to be gone by then, so she will not be there, but don't worry, we will be able to announce our new co-host this coming Friday. So praise be to God, uh, let's jump into it with uh, the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, the Saint of the Day. 
The saint of the day is Saint Stephen of Hungary. He was born on August 16th, or that's his feast day, rather. Um, and he was uh, on August 16th. The Catholic Church celebrates the feast day of King Saint Stephen of Hungary, the monarch who led his country to embrace the Christian faith during the 11th century. And note, this article is coming from CNA, Catholic News Agency. So if you want to check out his biography that I'm reading there. Before the future saint's birth uh, in 975, his mother, the Duchess Sarlet, is said to have received a vision in which the original Saint Stephen, the church's first martyr, appeared telling her she would bear a son who would evangelize their land. Together with her husband, the Hungarian Duke Geza Sarlet is believed to have been converted and baptized by the Bishop of Saint Aldobert of Prague, the same saints who baptized their son, Vaik, in 985, giving him the name of Stephen. Geza had desire to convert the Hungarians to the Catholic faith, a passion shared by Stephen once he reached adulthood and succeeded him in power. After conclusively defeating an alliance of rival pagan nobility, he used their acquired wealth to build a monastery and invite a clergy to convert the people. Stephen established laws favoring Christianity over paganism and sent an emissary to Rome with a request for the Pope to proclaim him as king. Pope Sylvester II accepted the request, sending him a crown and a gold processional cross, while also giving Stephen certain religious privileges. He showed great diligence as king while devoting the rest of his time to his religious duties, including charity toward the poor and the sick, as well as the worship of God. And to his household, Gazelle, Stephen's wife, was a sister of the ruler, later canonized as the Holy Roman Emperor, St. Henry II. Greatly devoted to the Virgin Mary, Stephen had several churches built in her honor. Both in Hungary and outside the kingdom, her intercession is credited with preventing war between Hungary and the Holy Roman Empire under Conrad II, and stopping an assassination plot against Stephen himself. The Hungarian king also established a monastery in Jerusalem and set up institutions to aid pilgrims in other major cities. Stephen is counted as the saints among his friends and correspondents and fulfilled the Pope's charge to use his royal authority for the good of his church. Suffering came to the king, however, when only one of his children survived to adulthood. Stephen's only living son, Emric, received a strong Catholic upbringing and was expected to succeed his father. But Emric died before Stephen after a hunting accident in 1031. In 1038, on the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, Stephen delivered his final words to the leaders of the church and state, telling them to protect and spread the Catholic faith. To the Virgin Mary, the king directed one of his final prayers. To thee, O Queen of Heaven, and to thy guardianship I commend the Holy Church, all the bishops and the clergy, and the whole kingdom, its rulers and inhabitants, but before all, I commend my soul to thy care. St. Stephen died on, the, on August 15, 1038, and was buried alongside his son, St. Emmerich, and the two were canonized together in 1083. King St. Stephen of Hungary, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. A young man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him which ones. And Jesus replied, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard the statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, Veraboom.com for, for uh, forward slash CDT, Veraboom.com forward slash CDT for sponsoring our gospel reflection segment of the show. And today we have a lot of time for a gospel reflection. So praise be to God. I'm going to try to use this time to not just talk about the gospel passage, but also comment on King St. Stephen, because this is also relating to the assumption. Now, Our Lady, think about Our Lady for a second. Because our Lord says here, what What does he say? If you wish to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor. Cornelius Alapide makes the point, going back to the nativity scene, referring back there, whenever the Our Lady and Our Lord and St. Joseph were given the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what happened to that? What happened to the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh? What happened? Why did was it that Our Lady and our and St. Joseph, who had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are very valuable things, and they then whenever they went to present Our Lord at the temple, they were only able to give two turtle doves. Why is that? Well, the reason is, according to Cornelius Lapide and according to Venerable Mary of the Greatest Visions in the Mystical City of God, our Lord and our Lady and our and Saint Joseph gave away all of the goods that they were given as a gift. They gave it all away. Why? Because of poverty. Not so. So poverty is a virtue. Poverty is one of the theological. Is one of the. Um, is one of the um, theological, not the theological virtues. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say, and my mind's escaping me. But the poverty is incredibly important. Why? Because our Lord asked us to be impoverished. Po- now, it's not virtuous to just be in poverty. So, like, if you go bankrupt and you're living on the streets, it's not necessarily a virtue to have no money. But it is virtuous to give up your money for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's not to say that people who are poor and don't have money cannot be virtuous in their poverty. They can, and they should, and by offering it up, but it doesn't necessitate that it's a virtue. And willfully giving up all that you own, the great wealth that you have for the sake of the kingdom of God, to be obedient to our Lord, to rely on God. We often think to ourselves, oh, you know, I'll do it later. You know, I have, I need to save up from retirement. I need to prepare myself. And they, we never think, we never stop to think of the scriptures. Our Lord takes care of the birds. Our Lord gives water to the plants. Our Lord feeds the animals. How much more? He clothes the flowers in such beauty. How much more, you and I? There's a saying in, in Jewish, there's a Jewish saying that's, whenever our Lord gives you a child, he gives you a loaf of bread. This doesn't, what does this refer to? This is referring to the fact that our Lord will not leave us orphans. He will make sure we have our daily bread. We pray it in the Our Father. And so our Lord has asked us to be perfect. Can we be perfect? Well, maybe not. But the religious life is a higher life. People don't like to hear this, but it's a, it's a true statement. Religious life is a higher calling. Why? Because you're living the theological virtues of poverty, chastity, and obedience. You're living those to a, a, the furthest extent. Now, of course, you can live these virtues outside, but it's easier in religious life, it's geared toward it. So we have to get, we have to direct ourselves toward that end. Now, married life is a good. It's not saying just because religious life is higher calling does not make married life a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. Our Lord made it a sacrament. So this is very important as well. When we when the the Ten Commandments are the bare minimum requirements, our Lord says, "Yes, okay, you got You're not doing. You're not breaking the Ten Commandments. Okay, what is He saying essentially? He's saying, are you in mortal sin? 
Well, you and I can think about this right now. We could do an examination of conscience. Think, am I in mortal sin? Have I killed? Have I committed adultery? Have I stolen? Have I lied? Have I honored my father and my mother? Have I honored those that are in authority over me? And have you loved your neighbor as yourself? Have you loved your neighbor as yourself? And how do you, you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, that is to love is to will the good of the other, as St. Thomas says, and for the sake of the other. And so do we desire souls to get to heaven? Do we desire our own soul to get to heaven? Now, those are the bare minimum requirements Then our Lord adds on to that. He says, okay, you've met the bare minimum requirements. Now, let me call you out of that. Let me call you to something greater, to something more, more perfect. He calls you to give all because our treasure will be in heaven if we give it all. If we lay down all of the things that we have, all the material things that we have, only then may we have the greatest treasure in heaven because there will be a hierarchy in heaven as well. Uh, people don't like to hear this. We have this egalitarian idea that in heaven, it's going to be like a communist state. Everyone's equal, but no. Remember our Lord came and he founded the kingdom of David. That's a kingdom. So our Lord is king. Christ is king. No, we say this. We watch the movies about the Cristeros and they say, Viva Cristo Rey. Do we believe it? Do we believe that Christ is king today? If Christ is king, where do we fall in the hierarchy? Our lady, she's the queen mother. She's the Gibby Ra, as Joe likes to repeat. What does that make us? Where will we land in the kingdom of heaven? If we give much, much will be given. If we retain much, well, much will be retained. And so our Lord wants to call us to the highest levels. He wants us to be like our lady who was assumed into heaven. Yesterday was a feast of the assumption. Our lady assumed bodily into heaven, a dogma of the church. What does this tell us? It tells us that we have hope for heaven and we have an intercession for heaven. And it proves the glory of the body because our Lord will resurrect our bodies at the last day. He will have a second coming and our souls will be reunited with our bodies once again. And this is incredibly important, my friends, because the assumption of our lady is one of the key aspects. It's a deny today more than anything else. We need this dogma today. Why do we need this dogma? Because it shows that the body is good. The body is not wicked. God doesn't make mistakes when he makes the body. Yes, people can be de- born with deformities. You can be born deaf. You can be born without uh, limbs. You can be born uh, deformed. Uh, but Our Lady shows us that the body is ultimately good. And our Lord loves the body. He doesn't hate it. We're not Manichaeans. We're not Albigensians. We don't reject the body and say that the soul is all that matters. No, the soul and the body are one. That's what it means to be human. A hylomorphic creature. a Someone who is created for both heaven and earth. And when we have the new heavens, the new earth, everything will be as God intended. All right, so next up is Father Frankovich. We'll be right back. Today is a pre-recorded show, and you won't want to miss Father Frankovich on forgiveness just after this break. Forgiveness with Father Frankovich. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. 
Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Retired priest with the Companions of the Cross, and uh, spent uh, some years working in the ministry of exorcisms, and we're very grateful for his time. Good morning to you, Father Francis Frankovich. Good morning. Praise be to God. Um, we want to get into exorcism, but before we dive into some of the questions I'm uh, most interested in, can we back up a little bit and tell us uh, how did you get involved in exorcism ministry? Uh, did it? Did it scare you? Did it make you nervous? Uh, what was that like entering into this uh, incredible opportunity to help free people uh, in those early days? What was that like for you? Well, I was in, I've been in the charismatic renewal for years. And uh, anyway, I was at the Catholic Charismatic Center in Houston. And uh, the Cardinal asked if I would be the exorcist because he didn't have one. <laughs> You're it, huh? And so I said, Bishop, I said, your, your excellence, your eminence, I guess it is. I said, I don't know anything about this. And he said, that's right, you can learn. <laughs> <laughs> that must so, Was that not intimidating? I mean, I can imagine that would be pretty intimidating. Well, yeah, somewhat. It's just that I was dealing with cases of deliverance all the time because of the renewal. Um, so you had already experienced quite a bit of the uh, uh, the phenomenon associated. I mean, we, we we tend to get most of our education on exorcisms through Hollywood. So I, I imagine you had experienced some of that prior to this point. Well, you know, people are people, right? <laughs> and some have tremendous hurts and heart and different difficulties in their life and so the big thing is for me it's always been taking an interview to see where they're at before you decide that they need an exorcism because mm. the exorcism is the last thing and you need the permission of the bishop and so forth uh even though you're an exorcist at least i don't know there's different permissions you can get from the bishop i guess one you can just whatever you decide but uh i tried to contact the bishop and uh, be careful that it was something that was really needed. So most of the cases, I'd say, they didn't need it. But anyway, I was working with other priests, and uh, this one priest in particular told me, he says, oh, you should be the exorcist, because he won't let me do it. <laughs> and I said, wow. well, I don't know. But anyway, so the cardinal did say, go ahead and do that, even though he didn't write an official letter to me. <laughs> 
Did but, you uh, did you have to receive formal training as an exorcist? Well, I did start doing some. You know, we went to conferences uh, that exorcists were joining, and uh, with deliverance, healing, and exorcism. So I went to several of those, and we even went to one in Rome where they had the international one. Hmm. Uh, another priest and myself, and uh, so anyway, it's. How is that different from uh, the deliverance prayers or the deliverance ministry that the Charismatic Center or the uh, Companions of the Cross do already? Well, it's just you have to use the right, you know, if it's really serious. So, uh, I mean, I dealt with several cases where they didn't need an exorcism. They just, you know, they were bound up in other things, you know, like... We use a lot the approach of Neil Lozano called um, Unbound. And I took several uh, courses from him and got to know him pretty well. And anyway, I just found that very helpful. And I said, this is basically what I want to do with people. And then if there's a need for something more, then okay, I'll ask the bishop and see what, if he'll let me use the, the right. So it's using the right. I always did it with a group of people. I never would do it alone. I had a whole team of people. Just one experience, just to let you know, uh, there was a person came up to me and he says, Father, my nephew here needs a, he needs an exorcism. And I said, you know, people come in and say that all the time. I'd say, well, what's what's the problem? He wasn't there, the young man. So I said, he said, well, he curses, and he curses God, and he's so strong that five of us can't hold him down, you know. And wow. He's just wretched, you know, and I said, well, I said, bring him in and let me see. Let me talk to him. He says, we can't do that. He won't come. And I says, well, I'll just wait here till you do get him. <laughs> so they finally brought him, and he was a man of, young man of maybe 22 years old. Uh and he was unable to walk, you know, while a few days previously he was walking. And so I said, well, let's put him in a wheelchair and we'll bring him to a room, you know, because we were at the entrance of the center. And he said, well, okay. So anyway, they put him in the chair and he slid out like a snake out of the chair. Wow. So I, so I told the guys, I said, look, you hold him in there. I'll, let's bring him to a room. I said, we can't do things here. So we finally got him back in the chair and got him wheeled off and they held on to him and I had a team of people with me. And then I said, okay, I went into the room and I said to the guy, it was in Spanish. So I said, quieres confesarte? Would you like to go to confession? And I just leaned over to him and said that. And I said, oh dear, I hope he doesn't slug me or something. You know, <laughs> I did, you know powers of evil can do all kinds of wild things. But I don't know, I just felt so comfortable with him and I said well let's see what we can do and so I told my team I said you wait outside the door but be close to the door in case I need you <laughs> right away <laughs> so anyway I heard his confession and you know one of the basic things is maybe something where I wrote my book is about forgiveness he was just loaded with unforgiveness well that's the and, stuff I want to get to 
uh, in a moment. I think that's where we really want to focus on a bit. But before we get that far, I wanted to for you to to share stories like this, and because uh, m- most people, when they think of exorcism, they think of the real embellishments that you you mentioned a minute ago. The powers of evil can do. Uh, some pretty, uh, you know, uh, flashy things, let's just say. So right. w- was this one of those examples of, I mean, it mu- I mean, we know the stories of St. Padre Pio, who was beaten by the devils uh, quite frequently. Did that, uh, it must have made you Thanks nervous. Praise be to God, the Lord never allowed that for me. <laughs> Praise be to God, yes, yes. But what, what was, like, say, the, the most intense experience you've ever had as an exorcist? Well, there was a lady that, you know, I don't know, you'd give her... You know, like we'd talk with her. You know, usually there's there's times when they're kind of normal, you know, and there's times when they're acting crazy. And uh, so anyway, she was somewhat in a normal state. And so I asked her if she would like to have a drink of water, you know, and gave her some water, but it was blessed. Ooh. Oh, my gosh, she went wild. <laughs> really? So I don't know, just... Um, so eventually we did do an exorcism with her and... Again, it didn't really take the first time. Uh, I had her come in with her, well, I call him fiance. <laughs> uh, she wasn't married yet, but see, that's the problem is, is try to get people out of sin. You know, mm. I said, you want the devil to leave, but you don't want sin to get out of your life. I said, they don't seem to work together. So anyway, um, I eventually did an exorcism and uh, with a team of people and you know, it was just pretty wild and uh, just had to hold her down and the screaming and so forth. And But one of the things I found is you can't be afraid of this. You know, the power of evil is not greater than God. Amen. And, you know, he's in charge and he wants to see the people get free. So I'm just an instrument to let him do that. So I don't know. I, I think one of the qualities for an exorcism is exorcist is that he's not afraid. <laughs> And, uh, like, I didn't want to be an exorcist. I, I'm not longing for this. This is not my thirst. You know, I'd like to see people freed up, but I, I wasn't particularly interested in doing exorcisms. Um, Father, the you were at the Charismatic Center in Houston, and there's a large Hispanic uh, population there. I've noticed that the in the Mexican culture, Hispanic culture, there's a lot of um, syncretism of mixing, like, Aztec and uh, voodoo and magic with uh, with Catholicism. Did you see that in the Hispanic community? And was this a, a uh, demonic problem that was happening? Well, it was one of the problems that we needed to deal with. You know, it's like we, had, you know, with Neil's approach, we do renunciations and, you know, and then they had to go to confession. You know, it's like you had to break some of these powers of evil that they got involved in and show them that this is not the way to find life, you know. So if they wouldn't do this, you know, it was hard to do an exorcism. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, Did you encounter the Santa Muerte cult among uh, Hispanics, the Hispanic oh, very community? Very strongly, yeah. That was one of the things we had to really work on. I just kept studying every time I found something <laughs> to try to see what would you do with this. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, the Santa Muerte is terrible. You know, it's... Again, it's a superstition, and you know you have to get people free of superstitious things. 
So I try to do as much as I could before you do an exorcism to see if that was the problem. Because a lot of these things they could do, you know, you, you don't have to have an exorcist right in order to do it. And the exorcists have said this, you know, I've listened to several in their testimonies, that the strongest and the most powerful way of an exorcism is the sacrament of reconciliation. <laughs> so that was what I always tried to use. Amen. Let's, let's get that going first, you know, then maybe we can see if we need an exorcism still. Father Francis Frankovich is our guest. He is a retired priest from the Companions of the Cross, and we're talking about his uh, ministry in exorcism. Uh, Father, let me ask you some uh, questions uh, to better understand. Uh, how, what, what are the main causes that lead to someone being possessed and then therefore in need of an exorcism? Uh, I, I'm sure you probably saw some very common elements in that process. Could you share those with us? Well, they deal very much with these five keys of Neil Lozano, you know. Unrepentance, for example, you know, they just don't want to get out of sin. And that leaves the door open for possibilities of all kinds of things. Superstitious actions, you know, do some renunciations of these things and take authority over them and order them to leave. You know, it. these are some of the things and, uh, you know, people's in uh, lack of forgiveness. There's just so many people that are just bound up with so much anger and hatred. Just one other example is a young man came out around 18 and completely unable to walk, you know, and... Uh, this is a pre-recorded interview with Father Frankovich on forgiveness. A former exorcist of the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, is on to talk to us about the power of forgiveness. You're not going to want to miss the rest of this interview after this break. And remember, this is a pre-recorded show, so me and Joe are not in the studio. And we will be back, not tomorrow, not Wednesday, not Thursday, but this Friday, because we are on retreat, and today is the Feast of the Assumption. Uh, or we are celebrating it anyways. But stay right there. We'll be right back with Father Frankovich on the power of forgiveness and the necessity of forgiveness, especially in regards to spiritual warfare. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Catechism defines an indulgence as a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins whose guilt has already been forgiven. But is it biblical to say punishment remains after God has forgiven our sins and that we can do something to satisfy it? I think it is. For example, David is forgiven of his sin in 2 Samuel 12, but yet must suffer the death of his son. Even Jesus teaches in Luke 12 that the servant who sins without full knowledge will be punished, but in a lesser degree. It is such temporal consequences that indulgences remit. Exercising her power to bind and loose, the church grants indulgences to help her children heed St. Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2.12, work out your salvation. So, is the Catholic understanding of an indulgence biblical? You bet it is. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. people's in uh, lack of forgiveness there's just so many people that are just bound up with so much anger and hatred just one other example is a young man came out around 18 and completely unable to walk you know and uh so everybody thinks you need an exorcism <laughs> but we started talking to him and we found out that he was so angry with his father you know because he took away a privilege that he had of riding his horse and he was so upset that he couldn't walk. <laughs> so when we taught him forgiveness, you know, then he was able to walk. It was really amazing. <laughs> so I don't know. I try to deal with those levels first, you know. That's my approach. But I know I've been to exorcist council, uh, conferences and I've heard some exorcists say, well, we just use the right right away first. <laughs> I don't do that. That's the last thing I do. Mm. Anyway. We we interviewed uh, a young lady, um, I don't know, a couple weeks back. She had been possessed, and she had gone through a whole series of uh, exorcism uh, rites over the course of, I think it was 18 months. And uh, she described to us what that was like for her during those sessions when she uh, was not in charge of her faculties and, and experiencing that uh, being possessed and what it was like for her deliverance. And it was a pretty powerful, gripping story. But one of the points that she made during our conversation was something that you just hit on, and that was on forgiveness. And she realized during that process of how important it is. I mean, we probably have read or heard the gospel proclaimed how many times when Jesus Matthew chapter 6 talks about, unless you forgive, you can't be forgiven. Probably a thousand times we've heard that, and yet, how many of us are holding on to unforgiveness? And maybe some of us are doing so without even realizing that. So I hope you, can you, can you talk to that for a moment in light of your experience as an exorcist? Yeah, it's one of the key elements, really. Uh, just to give you an example, too, uh, we were at a conference in I did a lot of traveling. Uh, I speak Spanish, so I was going to different countries where I was invited with uh, two other men that go with me. And uh, anyway, we were at this one conference, and this one lady was acting up, a young lady. And uh, you know, so of course everybody thinks it's an exorcism needed. And uh, so anyway, I asked this one man that's with me on the team. I said, "Could you do a little interview with her and see what we really need?" And because I needed to go on with the talks that I was giving. And uh, so he did that, and he knew the prayer of forgiveness. So, uh, you know, he tried that and worked with her. And uh, then he says, I think you need to come in here, Father. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm in the diocese outside of my own, so I don't have any authority after your own diocese. You have to get it from your particular bishop. So I said, I can't do an exorcism here. So anyways, we were talking with her. 
You know, she just had so much hatred towards her father, towards her mother, towards her boyfriend. She had a boyfriend that left her, you know. Mm. And just, it was, you know, horrible, like horrible experiences. So anyway, we worked with her and she was able to forgive, I think it was her mother and the boyfriend, but she couldn't forgive her father. And so she was just acting up still, you know. So anyway, we just said, well, let's just pray with her for a while and that she'll have the power to to let the Holy Spirit help her to, to forgive. And when we did, she finally released, and oh my gosh, she became the happiest person in the whole conference. Wow. And Father, you know, there is a, we were talking to some people on uh, during our show, and they were making the point, they're asking the question, must we forgive people who do not ask for forgiveness? And they were saying, you know, God, uh, Jesus said that we should forgive our brother as many times as he asks, but what about what if they don't ask? Should we do? Must we forgive them? Yes, of course, <laughs> because we've taken it in. It's what we, what it does to us. You know, it's not so much what they're doing. You know, it's more what what what's happening in me as the person who takes all that hurt. You know, so I don't know. It's just very freeing. Uh, I don't think Jesus says forgive if they if they ask for forgiveness that's one one passage but there's so many others like for example luke 6 37 20 uh, 37 he says do not judge or you'll be judged do not condemn or you'll be condemned but do forgive and then you'll be forgiven you'll be forgiven he didn't say they had to ask for forgiveness he just says you do it <laughs> either that or you're judging or condemning them and you know that's very harmful to a person's psychological as well as his spiritual life, you know, so I don't know. I was in Columbia one time and giving some talks there and uh, someone said, this one lady that was in charge of, it was called Maria Santificadora, and she says, do you have a book you've written? I said, no, I've never thought of writing a book. So anyway, she says, well, you should write a book. So my friend that had invited me to go there, um, said, yeah, I'll be glad to help you with that. So I went home and I took a week off. It was between Christmas and New Year's. So it wasn't very busy at the center. And I took the week and just started working on a book. And the book was hot, forgiving from the heart, you know. So from that developed this whole approach. Hello, but anyway, I, I think it's really needed. <laughs> Hi, Father Frankovich. This is Janelle. Um, I have a question regarding what does it mean to truly forgive? Because I've been to a retreat, um, I'd say maybe a few years ago, and um, that was when I figured I realized that there was actually something that a lot of people didn't know how to do was to how to truly and completely forgive. Um, I know a lot of people that say like, "Oh, I've forgiven this person," yet I see that they have some sort of resentment or I guess unforgiveness with them, them still, like there's that anger is still there. And especially nowadays where a lot of people struggle with some sort of uh, wound from the past um, regarding um, maybe um, some abuse um, in the past, whatever, they have that, they carry that wound with them um, even until now. So Father, what does it mean to truly forgive? Yes, that's what I developed in my book because my experience is it's important. You got to do it. Everybody keeps saying that, you know, and I say, well, but what is it and how do you do it? Mm -hmm. You know, there's no definition of it, you know, in the scriptures, except it's explained what it's all about. But that's just what I did. I don't know. I, 
I think the Lord showed me these things, but I took a seven step approach, you know, that I think is really important. So people can do this. Now, some people have said, I just can't forgive them. I just can't forgive them. And I said, well, I don't know. I think you're emphasizing the wrong thing. So my first step is always, we got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Um, we found in so many cases, if there's no act activity of consciously allowing the Holy Spirit to help us do this, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, so I don't know. It's it's not so much me. It's about allowing allowing God to work in me. So I don't know. I I've found that the first step has to be there, and throughout the whole process, each of the steps require the Holy Spirit to help us. Because, as one priest said, it's not difficult to forgive. It's impossible. <laughs> you know. So I said, that's right. Without the special help that comes from God, I don't know how can you do it. Because what we're doing is we're getting rid of somebody's sin. <laughs> Can I take away somebody's sin? <laughs> when Jesus healed that paralytic, you know, he's, the Pharisees said, well, only God can forgive sin. Now, he didn't deny that, you know. Only God can forgive a sin. So if God's the only one who can forgive sin, <laughs> I think if he's asked me to do it, then I better get him there. So I don't know. I really emphasize that a lot, the first step, and throughout the whole process. I could tell you the other seven steps if you want real quickly. Sure. Yes, please. Okay, then after that, I, I really believe, you know, people who hurt us and wound us from what they've said or done, that we need, love has been taken out of our heart. Now, forgiveness is an act of love. And in order to give, you have to receive. <laughs> How can you give what you don't have? <laughs> right. So the second step is ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with the love that, that God has for you. No matter what somebody has said or done, no matter what you have done or said, God still loves us. He still wants to give us life. It doesn't mean he accepts the wrongs that we do, but it does mean that he cares for us because he's made us. In, in wisdom, in the 11th chapter, verse 24, he says, if I didn't like what I made, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> So if he didn't like us, I don't think he would have made us. He says, you're very special to me. If you take Isaiah 43, for example, he says, you're mine. You're special to me, <laughs> you know. I love you. Uh, if you should pass through water, you're not going to drown. If you go through fire, it's not going to burn you because you're mine, <laughs> you know. So just to take time, and I usually use the, the crucifixion ascent to image. One of the big things I like to do in the whole process of forgiveness in all the seven steps is we need to use our imagination. We're using it anyway. Why do we keep using it against God? Why don't we use it with him and in conformity with his word? All righty, we're heading off to our second break. And don't worry, guys. We'll be right back with the rest of this interview with Father Frankovich on the power of forgiveness, the necessity of forgiveness, and how on earth do we forgive? Sometimes it's hard, you know? And I know I struggle with forgiveness, and you won't want to miss his advice that's coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Father Frankovich, former exorcist of Galveston, Houston, on the power of forgiveness. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. 
Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. All the seven steps is we need to use our imagination. We're using it anyway. Why do we keep using it against God? Why don't we use it with him and in conformity with his word? So if he says, I love you with an everlasting love, then let's, let's picture it. So I'd like to take the crucifix as sort of the, the climactic moment of when he says, I love you. But we got to spend a few minutes in receiving it. Now, this is one of the big problems, I think, in forgiveness. People don't want to take any time. They just want to say a word. I forgive you. I forgive you from my heart. I've heard people tell me this in confession so many times. I said, well, what did you do <laughs> to forgive from the heart? And there's nothing that they can say other than I just did it. And I said, okay, what's forgiveness? Forgiveness is to forgive, he says. I said, well, that's nice. What is it, though? So the first thing I think is that we need this love of God in us to do it. And then the third step I have is I really believe, and this came from a book by Agnes Sanford called, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the book now. But anyway, she just mentioned in chapter six of her book, uh, Healing Light, I think it's called. And she mentioned, she said, that, you know, about the importance of using the imagination, but also, you know, that somehow we need to image these things. So I had them picture Jesus on the cross and him telling him from the cross, you know, even though he's dying for you and he's dying for those sins of other people that have hurt you, he's not looking at you with anger. He's looking at you with love. And he says such words as, you're mine, I love you. Even though it's hard for him to say it from the cross. And then receive his mercy. How many times has he forgiven you? You know, is a, the parable there of Luke, um, Matthew 18, where he talks about forgiving from the heart. You know, he talks about this servant who was forgiven a huge debt, and he couldn't forgive his fellow servant who had just a small debt. He just he wasn't going to do it. 
And he says, well, then you're going to pay for your price. So in other words, if you don't do it, then you don't get free yourself. So how many times has he forgiven us? And how much do I need forgiveness for the way I've held on to this? One of the big problems I think people have is that they hold on to these hurts and the things that people have done to them and the different experiences that were so bad. And I said, that's your sin now. Because <laughs> you're, you're reacting evil to evil. St. Peter in his first letter, he says, in chapter 3, he says, look, instead of giving an insult for an insult, injury for an injury, he says, give a blessing instead so you can receive a blessing. I said, you're cursing him and you want God to bless you. <laughs> I said, look at how much he's been merciful to you. Be merciful as your father is to you, he says in Luke 6. You know, so we've got to be conscious of how much he's forgiven us and to even allow him to forgive us more. Mm. A lot of people have told me when they're forgiving, they says, well, the biggest problem is I can't forgive myself. I said, well, let's deal with that first then. I have a chapter in my book on that, forgiving yourself, what that might mean. Because we can't take care of our own sins but we can receive the forgiveness of God. And also another big problem is also forgiving God. You know, people say you gotta forgive God. And I say, well, what does that mean? People love to throw around terms. You know, I've even heard priests say it. And I say, well, I know, what do you want them to do? How do you do it? So that's what I try to explain in my book. So those are the first three steps, you know. It's, then the next four steps I, I deal with. You're standing at the cross and you invite Oh, I'd like to have Mary standing there at my side, too, because she was there with Jesus, having her put her hand on my shoulder and so forth. And we're both looking up at Jesus. And then this person comes into my consciousness that I'm going to forgive. And I'm not denying anything about how I felt or what went on. I'm admitting everything, you know, all the anger I had, all the frustration, uh, the thing that was wrong, at least from my point of view. And I'm going to transfer that to the cross. So I think forgiveness, if you want to give a word to it, is, you know, in the dictionary, I think it says, let it go. I said, well, how do you let it go? You just let it float up into the sky or what? You know, and so my, my take is, if you take the scriptures, you know, and what Jesus is showing us, he's the only one who can pay for the price of sin, nobody else. So I call it transfer it to him so he can do it. So I think forgiveness is transferring it. So you have to say, I forgive you in the name of Jesus, because he's the one who's ordered us to do it. And he says, for doing what? Well, point out the things that are, have been annoying or irritating. Mm. Uh, I think it's Father, very healthy. To go mm -hmm. back to uh, your third step, um, when you said you that we need to forgive God, what is it meant by forgive God? Because uh, initially I'm thinking, well, how does one forgive God if... Forgiveness implies that there was a wrong, something that was happened where you were wronged, either you wronged yourself or someone wronged you. Um, how does one forgive God in that sense? Well, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you can't. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think forgiving God means this, that you're going to actually become aware of who God is. Mm. I, I give in my book this example of Jeremiah. You know, he goes, oh, Lord, I, everybody hates me. I don't want to be doing this. Get me out of here. Would you just take my life? You know, I'm tired of this. And God doesn't come back and say, oh, Jeremiah, I'm so sorry you're suffering so much. Instead, he says, Jeremiah, straighten up. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to change your attitude. That's not me. I'm not making life miserable for you, <laughs> you know. Mm. And when he repents of his way of acting, 
then God's able to continue working with him. So if there's forgiving God to me, I give a lot more examples in my book, but you know, it's, it's, it's acknowledging who God is mm. and uh, what, what evil is. I give the example that, I, I don't know, someone sent it to me and I think it's, it was true, but anyway, they say it's uh, Albert Einstein said this in a classroom where the professor was an atheist and he said, well, he said, um, is there evil in the world? Yeah. Does God exist? Yes. Did God create everything? Yes. Then God created evil. And the principle is if he created evil, then he has to have some evil in him. <laughs> and, the, and the student didn't know how to answer it. So anyway, just going through it quickly, he says, okay, professor, I have a question for you. Does cold exist? He says, of course it exists. And he says, no, it doesn't. The only thing that exists is heat. That's the only thing we can get a hold of. And when you have a lack of heat, we call it cold. Then he says, does darkness exist? Well, of course, there's dark and real light and so forth. He says, no, darkness does not exist. What exists is light and lack of light we call darkness. Then he says, does evil exist? Well, he says, it's everywhere. What are you talking about? Of course it exists. He says, no, it doesn't. He says, what exists is the lack of God. <laughs> you know? So I thought that was really good. Mm. There's another example, too, that I, I oh. give in that chapter, but... We're talking you know, with Father Francis Frankovich, and we have just a few minutes left in our conversation with him. Father, okay. where, where can we get your book, by the way? Where, where can one buy your book on forgiveness? Um, it's available on Amazon, for sure. Um, I have it in English and in Spanish, and uh, I'm doing some revisions on the English for it. <laughs> I hope I can get them done. Let me, anyway, let me well, just let me ask a question that kind of ties back into the beginning of our conversation about your exorcism ministry. Would you say that the lack of forgiveness is the the one issue, uh, the the biggest issue for those that are struggling with either a diabolical uh, harassments, chastisements, or possessions? Is forgiveness the big issue, or are there others? Well, it's a combination, but certainly that's the biggest one. I don't know, when we get people to forgive, you know, and we lead them through this process, by the way, the fifth step is you have to picture the person forgiven, you know, and blessed. you got to bless them, too. Bless them with what they don't have. I hear so many parents tell me, oh, my kid is this and that and the other thing. I says, what are you blessing him with? What do they need? They don't. You know, if they do anything, they just say, I bless you. Well, that's nice, but what are you blessing him with? Then you got to picture it done. I don't know, what's the purpose of doing it if you're asking and you don't receive? So, again, but anyway, yes, it is the biggest one, I think. So that's step five. What's step six? Six is you keep thanking him until you're convinced it's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, a great, that's a great point because I was thinking, oh, that was going to be an, a question I had was, like, how important is it to be specific in forgiveness about what you're forgiving? Is it okay to just... Make a general like, oh, I, I forgive, and then, you know, sometimes we don't initially feel it, and so is it something that needs to be? Is it needs something that needs to be consistent, happening over and over? Not necessarily, but it's it has to be something that's affected you. But my experience is this: that so many people try to talk me out of forgiving. They say, "Well, I don't really need to forgive. They're not that bad. After all, that's my uncle, or that's my cousin, or that's my brother, well, so forth." I said, thanks for the excuses, but I said, you got to get rid of that because it hurts you. It hurts you. 
it took uh, an existence within you. Maybe now with time, you know, things change and maybe the person themselves change. And so they're a different person, they're a different way of acting with you. And so you say, well, I'll just let this other go. Don't let it go. We got to forgive it. Mm. What about what about a scenario in which someone uh, is holding on to a grudge and they have to forgive that other person, but in the forgiveness process, does that mean that they have to go and hang out with that person? They have to talk to that person. They have to be in relate in an active relationship with that person, or is it possible to forgive and still keep your distance? Oh, no, we ran out of time. We won't be able to hear Father Frankovich's answer to that question. But if you want to hear the rest of that answer uh, to that question, you need to sign up to be a CDT insider. And you can do that by going to GRN online forward slash CDT. But that's going to be it for the show for at least this hour. The second hour is coming up. And uh, then we'll have a, we, the rest of this interview. So if you could tune in on the GRN Radio Network app, you can find us there at the Guadalupe Radio Network app or online at GRN forward slash CDT. You can find the rest of this interview on the other side of this, uh, the, the top of the hour. So praise be to God. Thank you very much for joining us. Same time, same place tomorrow. Pre-recorded shows tomorrow, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And we'll be back live on Friday. And we'll see you then. So God bless you. God love you. And I look forward to seeing y'all right here. Same time, same place. God love you. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false God does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false God when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true Queen of Heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary, we honor her just as Jesus honors her. 
So there's absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is not Joe McClain. This is Adrian Fonseca, your producer. And today we have a pre-recorded show because it is the day after the Feast of the Assumption. And the Guadalupe Radio Network has given us the day off. Thank you very much, Guadalupe Radio Network. And this whole week is actually a chock full of pre-recorded shows. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all pre-recorded because Joe and I will be on retreat Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And actually, right now, I'm in the air flying into Houston uh, as this show goes on. But I will be back in town and then I'm flying out to Midland for the retreat. So praise be to God. I was in Ohio to see the Dominican Friars make their first vows. So that was amazing, I'm sure. I'll talk all about it on Friday when we are back live. And no game show today. So don't call in. You can check out the rules and regulations and all the details at Catholic Drive Time or at GRN Online forward slash CDT, rather. And you can find that information there. But no show this week. No game show, unfortunately. But don't worry. Next week, we'll be back with the regularly scheduled game show. And we will give away a prize and everything will be as normal. But for today, we are actually airing the final uh, few minutes of the Father Frankovich interview that we did during the last hour. If you missed that, feel free to check it out. Our podcast feed will be updated later today. You can check it out on the Guadalupe Radio Network app or online at grnonline forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Okay, so... Today, what is so special about today? Well, we are going to be praying the Memorare, as usual, so that's the plan. Then we're going to be doing Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then afterwards, into the Father Frankovich interview after the break. So let's start a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. And no breaking news today, so breaking news will be canceled. No uh, happy news of the day, or good news of the day. There we go. This I knew I was going to catch it a second, in a second. But no good news of the day. We're going to go straight into Saint of the Day, then Gospel of the Day, and then we will jump into the Father Frankovich interview after that break. And don't worry, no game show today, so don't call in. Don't call in during the break. But we will be back on Friday. And then next week, we'll have a regularly scheduled game show. So we'll throw you in to the saint of the day and the gospel of the day. May the words of the Lord be ever on my mind, my lips, and in my heart. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now, the saint of the day. The saint of the day is Saint Stephen of Hungary. He was born on August 16th, or that's his feast day, rather. Um, and he was, uh, on August 16th, the Catholic Church celebrates the feast day of King Saint Stephen of Hungary, the monarch who led his country to embrace the Christian faith during the 11th century. And note, this article is coming from CNA, Catholic News Agency, so if you want to check out his biography that I'm reading there. Before the future saint's birth uh, in 975, his mother, the Duchess Sarlet, is said to have received a vision in which the original Saint Stephen, the church's first martyr, appeared telling her she would bear a son who would evangelize their land. Together with her husband, the Hungarian Duke Geza Sarlet is believed to have been converted and baptized by the Bishop of St. Aldobert of Prague, the same saint who baptized their son, Vaik, in 985, giving him the name of Stephen. Geza had desired to convert the Hungarians to the Catholic faith, a passion shared by Stephen once he reached adulthood and succeeded him in power. After conclusively defeating an alliance of rival pagan nobility, he used their acquired wealth to build a monastery and invite a clergy to convert the people. Stephen established laws favoring Christianity over paganism and sent an emissary to Rome with a request for the Pope to proclaim him as king. Pope Sylvester II accepted the request, sending him a crown and a gold processional cross, while also giving Stephen certain religious privileges. He showed great diligence as king while devoting the rest of his time to his religious duties, including charity toward the poor and the sick, as well as the worship of God. And to his household, Gazelle, Stephen's wife, was a sister of the ruler, later canonized as the Holy Roman Emperor St. Henry II. Greatly devoted to the Virgin Mary, Stephen had several churches built in her honor. Both in Hungary and outside the kingdom, her intercession is credited with preventing war between Hungary and the Holy Roman Empire under Conrad II, and stopping an assassination plot against Stephen himself. The Hungarian king also established a monastery in Jerusalem and set up institutions to aid pilgrims in other major cities. Stephen counted, uh, is counted as the saints among his friends and correspondents and fulfilled the Pope's charge to use his royal authority for the good of his church. Suffering came to the king, however, when only one of his children survived to adulthood. Stephen's only living son, Emric, received a strong Catholic upbringing and was expected to succeed his father. But Emric died before Stephen after a hunting accident in 1031. In 1038, on the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, Stephen delivered his final words to the leaders of the church and state, telling them to protect and spread the Catholic faith. To the Virgin Mary, the king directed one of his final prayers. To thee, O Queen of Heaven, and to thy guardianship I commend the Holy Church, all the bishops and the clergy, and the whole kingdom, its rulers and inhabitants, but before all, I commend my soul to thy care. St. Stephen died on, the, on August 15, 1038, and was buried alongside his son, St. Emmerich, and the two were canonized together in 1083. King St. Stephen of Hungary, pray for us.
The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. A young man approached Jesus and said, Teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? He answered him, Why do you ask me about the good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He asked him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father, your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you, Veraboom.com for, for uh, forward slash CDT, Veraboom.com forward slash CDT for sponsoring our gospel reflection segment of the show. And today we have a lot of time for a gospel reflection. So praise be to God. I'm going to try to use this time to not just talk about the gospel passage, but also comment on King St. Stephen, because this is also relating to the assumption. Now, Our Lady, think about Our Lady for a second. Because our Lord says here, what? What does he say? If you wish to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor. Cornelius Alapide makes the point, going back to the nativity scene, referring back there, whenever the Our Lady and Our Lord and St. Joseph were given the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what happened to that? What happened to the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh? What happened? Why did, was it that Our Lady and our and St. Joseph, who had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are very valuable things, and they, then whenever they went to present our Lord at the temple, they were only able to give two turtle doves. Why is that? Well, the reason is, according to Cornelius Lapide and according to Venerable Mary of the Greatest Visions in the Mystical City of God, our Lord and Our Lady and, and St. Joseph gave away all of the goods that they were given as a gift. They gave it all away. Why? Because of poverty. Not so. So poverty is a virtue. Poverty is one of the theological, is one of the, um, is one of the um, theological, not the theological virtues. I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say and my mind's escaping me, but the poverty is incredibly important. Why? Because our Lord asked us to be impoverished. Now, it's not virtuous to just be in poverty. So like if you go bankrupt and you're living on the streets, it's not necessarily a virtue to have no money, but it is virtuous to give up your money for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's not to say that people who are poor and don't have money cannot be virtuous in their poverty. They can, and they should, and by offering it up, but it doesn't necessitate that it's a virtue. And willfully giving up all that you own, the great wealth that you have for the sake of the kingdom of God, to be obedient to our Lord, to rely on God. We often think to ourselves, oh, you know, I'm, I'll do it later. You know, I have, I need to save up from retirement. I need to prepare myself. And they, we never think, we never stop to think of the scriptures. Our Lord takes care of the birds. Our Lord gives water to the plants. Our Lord feeds the animals. How much more? He clothes the flowers in such beauty. How much more? You and I. There's a saying in, in Jewish, there's a Jewish saying that's, whenever our Lord gives you a child, he gives you a loaf of bread. This isn't, what does this refer to? This is referring to the fact that our Lord will not leave us orphans. He will make sure we have our daily bread. We pray it in the Our Father. And so our Lord has asked us to be perfect. Can we be perfect? Well, maybe not. But the religious life, 
is a higher life. People don't like to hear this, but it's a, it's a true statement. Religious life is a higher calling. Why? Because you're living the theological virtues of poverty, chastity, and obedience. You're living those to a, a, the furthest extent. Now, of course, you can live these virtues outside, but it's easier in religious life. It's geared toward it. So we have to get, we have to direct ourselves toward that end. Now, married life is a good. It's not saying just because religious life is higher calling does not make married life a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. Our Lord made it a sacrament. So this is very important as well. When we when the the Ten Commandments are the bare minimum requirements. Our Lord says, yes, okay, you gotta, you're not doing, you're not breaking the Ten Commandments. Okay. What is he saying essentially? He's saying, are you in mortal sin? Well, you can, I can think about this right now. We could do an examination of conscience. Think, am I in mortal sin? Have I killed? Have I committed adultery? Have I stolen? Have I lied? Have I honored my father and my mother? Have I honored those that are in authority over me? And have you loved your neighbor as yourself? Have you loved your neighbor as yourself? And how do you, you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, that is to love is to will the good of the other, as St. Thomas says, and for the sake of the other. And so do we desire souls to get to heaven? Do we desire our own soul to get to heaven? Now, those are the bare minimum requirements that our Lord adds on to that. He says, okay, you've met the bare minimum requirements. Now, let me call you out of that. Let me call you to something greater, to something more, more perfect. He calls you to give all because our treasure will be in heaven if we give it all. If we lay down all of the things that we have, all the material things that we have, only then may we have the greatest treasure in heaven because there will be a hierarchy in heaven as well. Uh, people don't like to hear this. We have this egalitarian idea that in heaven, it's going to be like a communist state. Everyone's equal, but no. Remember our Lord came and he founded the kingdom of David. That's a kingdom. So our Lord is king. Christ is king. No. We say this, we watch the movies about the Cristeros and they say, Viva Cristo Rey. Do we believe it? Do we believe that Christ is king today? If Christ is king, where do we fall in the hierarchy? Our lady, she's the queen mother. She's the Gibby Ra, as Joe likes to repeat. What does that make us? Where will we land in the kingdom of heaven? If we give much, much will be given. If we retain much, well, much will be retained. And so our Lord wants to call us to the highest levels. He wants us to be like Our Lady who was assumed into heaven. Yesterday was the Feast of the Assumption. Our Lady assumed bodily into heaven, a dogma of the church. What does this tell us? It tells us that we have hope for heaven and we have an intercession for heaven. And it proves the glory of the body because our Lord will resurrect our bodies at the last day. We will have a second coming and our souls will be reunited with our bodies once again. And this is incredibly important, my friends, because the Assumption of Our Lady one of the key aspects and to deny today more than anything else we need this dogma today. why do we need this dogma because it shows that the good. a generous underwriter of Catholic drive time God doesn't make GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic yes, family owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions soap bars gift boxes body mist beard care and more at GloryAndShine.com they state their mission is to quote craft every product with deep intentions while holding a vision of sharing the Gospel, body and say that the soul is all that matters. Know, the soul and the body 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 and the and find the body right, so and the body and the body and the
GloryAndShine.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. And then, you know, sometimes we don't initially feel it. And so is it something that needs to be, is it something that needs to be consistent happening over and over? Not necessarily, but it's, it has to be something that's affected you. But my experience is this, that so many people try to talk me out of forgiving. They say, well, I don't really need to forgive. They're not that bad. After all, that's my uncle or that's my cousin or that's my brother. Well, so forth. I said, thanks for the excuses. But I said, you got to get rid of that because it hurt you. It hurt you. It took uh, an existence within you. Maybe now with time, you know, things change and maybe the person themselves change. And so they're a different person, they're a different way of acting with you. And so you say, well, I'll just let this other go. Don't let it go. We got to forgive it. Mm. What about what about a scenario in which someone uh, is holding on to a grudge and they have to forgive that other person, but in the forgiveness process, does that mean that they have to go and hang out with that person? They have to talk to that person? They have to be in, rela- in an active relationship with that person? Or is it possible to forgive and still keep your distance? Yeah, that's another thing that I put down, what forgiveness is not. So uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to be buddy buddies with the person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's what's required. It's just getting the person new within. They take on, when anybody hurts us or offends us or irritates us, they take on two existences, one's in us and one's outside of us. So they're outside of us in a, in a physical sense, but the, the hurt comes within and that's the thing that I'm holding on to. It's the thing within. I don't think Jesus is asking us to deal with a person outside as much, but he does ask us to love our enemies, do good to those who do evil, bless those who curse you and do, and then pray for them. So I think I put that down as my seventh step. So you have the person outside you now, and you've got to deal with that too. So I think it's good to do that, you know, to actually uh, bless them, keep praying for them. If they hurt you again, forgive them again, 70 times seven, you know. But again, forgiveness is a, an act of Jesus destroying the evil within me, first of all, and then empowering God to work more fully in the person outside of me. Mm. God can do anything he wants. He doesn't need me if he doesn't want to do it through me. But he has asked us to do that. So he must want to use us as an instrument in the process of another person's transformation. If we refuse to, to forgive them, then what we're doing is we're holding God against that person so that they can't get free. Now, God can work around us if he wants. He can do what he wants. As a matter of fact, you don't have to even know what forgiveness is, and he can do it. But I'm not going to say what God's going to do. You know, all I know is that these are the things the Scripture shows us. Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only one who can destroy sin. So why are we trying to do it? Let's just get him involved. 
And step seven, what was step seven? Well, it's the person outside of us. And that's love your enemies, do good to those who do evil to you, bless those who curse you, and pray for them. That's in Luke 6, 27. So, you know, we need to do good to them, but it doesn't mean you have to become your buddy buddies. <laughs> mm. You know, if they don't show any change, why would you want to take them in, you know, as a close friend? Yeah, if, amen. You know, if things change, you know, okay. Like a lot of times it's a husband and wife relationship or sometimes it's one of their own children. And, you know, I think they got to eventually come to the point where they can start seeing the goodness in the other person and caring for them a little bit more. But forgiveness is done first mm. and then reconciliation afterwards. Is it necessary to tell the person that wronged you, I forgive you, or is it enough to say it like internally? Or do well, I need I to confront put, the person? I put that in my book too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's very healthy to go up to a person and say, I forgive you for this, that. I'll just tell you one quick ex example in my own life. I was in this parish in California and uh, these two ladies just couldn't hit it off with each other. And we were having a mass together and it came time for the sign of peace, you know. They were going around greeting each other. Peace be with you, peace be with you. And when this lady came to this other lady, she just walked right around her, obviously to everybody in the whole congregation that she was ignoring her. Hmm. And then I said, you know, one day we've got to work on this and get you guys reconciled with each other. And she went up to the other person right away and said, I forgive you for this, that, and the other thing. You know what the other person did? <laughs> they oh, drew no. up at them and said, who forgives Marat? Who did what? You did what? I did what? You did this and that and the other thing. And I said, oh, dear, we started another war. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yikes. <laughs> There's one case where I really heard that it was helpful, and that was when the person's father was dying. He said, Dad, you know, I forgive you for all the ways you mistreated me. And he knew he had done it. And he was really sorry. But it's so rare. It's mm. a very delicate thing because you're hitting on someone's pride <laughs> to say, I forgive you. <laughs> Do it in your heart. <laughs> Let God take care of the other and try to be more loving to them. Amen. Amen. Janelle, I know you had another question. Yes, I have a question. So we talked about personal forgiveness um, within ourselves. Um, now with the big scandal happening on or like public scandal um, or church scandal, is society and or the church called to forgive scandal? Like, how do we deal with it? Because, of course, like um, I've heard someone say this before, um, right? Uh, uh, oh, it was um, something like big things require big reparation. Um, big scandal uh, requires big uh, reparation. Public sins sorry, require public, public sins. repentance. That's what too. I meant. <laughs> yes. But how, yeah. how? What do you say to that, Father? The the lay folk in particular, I'm thinking about, but all members of the church, uh, are they called to forgive uh, well, see, those in scandal? Yeah. To me, it's an understanding what forgiveness is. Mm -hmm. If it means transferring it to Jesus on the cross and letting Him take care of it, I think yes, do it. <laughs> we are called to forgive everybody, even the people who cause scandal in the church. You know, in our government and some of the things that are done in our government, I mean, such terrible sinfulness. Forgiveness is not accepting. That's one of the biggest things I put in my book. I put it in several times. No, you're not forgetting this. You're not putting it aside and saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. But I want to get somebody bigger than myself to handle it. <laughs> I'm going to transfer it to Jesus. That's what I sense forgiveness is. Because he's, if he's the only one who can take care of sin, then I better get it to him.
mm. on the cross he says father forgive them they don't know what they do well if we don't get it to the cross how can he do that <laughs> amen he needs to transfer it to the father and break its power through his death so i don't know i just to me it's a healthy thing but if you understand forgiveness meaning you're going to let them off the hook that it doesn't matter what they're doing they can keep doing it that's not that's not forgiveness in the opposite direction what about whenever you have wronged someone and you are you desire forgiveness from that person so it's easy in one sense we can go to confession and we receive forgiveness in that manner but what about in uh, trying to receive forgiveness when you've wronged someone um, person to person yeah, I think it's important that's after you do the forgiveness within your own heart for what, what went on. But then you need to go and try to reconcile with the person. And I think it's good to admit our own sins. That's the best way to reconcile with somebody. Say, would you forgive me for doing this and that? And don't say if. Some people say, would you forgive me if I offended you? No, no. <laughs> if you didn't do it, then don't ask his forgiveness. But if you did something, say it. But I don't say what you have in your heart. Some people go up to someone and say, forgive me because I didn't like you. <laughs> they didn't know you didn't like them. So you take care of that one yourself. You know? mm. But if you yelled at them and said bad words and treated them mad, incorrectly, you know, ignored them and, you know, treated them roughly, then I think you need to ask their forgiveness. Mm. And hopefully, you know, with God's grace, they'll want to ask forgiveness for their part. But if they don't, that's not your problem. Father uh, Francis Frankovich is our guest, and we're just about uh, at the end of our conversation. Now, Father, if there's someone listening, watching right now, and uh, through this conversation, they realize that they're probably holding on to something that's a bit of pain uh, for them in their lives, and they need to forgive or they desire forgiveness, is there a particular prayer that you would uh, lead them in or recommend to them to, to pray as a first step? Well, I have the whole prayer in my book. <laughs> it's in the ninth chapter, I think. So it just goes through the process with you going through each of the steps. I also have a CD, but unfortunately, it's not through Amazon. I just have it at the Catholic Charismatic Center. But uh, it's Make, done could you music. pray? Could you lead us in that prayer? Do you? Uh, do you mind? Yeah, I could, but it would take at least 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Well, maybe you can just pray, I mean, uh, lead us in a prayer and then maybe give us your priestly blessing as we uh, conclude. Okay. Because, uh, okay. It's so hard for me to do it quickly, you know. <laughs> well, no, I'm not asking for the 10-minute version. I think that might be too long. Well, I will invite everyone to buy your book and, and to find and pray that prayer. But maybe you can just pray for us and pray for those that are holding on to grudges and in need of forgiveness. And then maybe lead a, uh, end with your priestly blessing. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father in heaven, you're a Father of so much mercy. We know that that does not mean that you just accept sin, but that you're here to help us get out of it. I always think, Father, that your love for us isn't saying, I love you into sin, I love you out of it. And Lord, keep in your great mercy, showing that mercy to all of us. We need to be able to forgive, and we need your merciful love to help us. Sometimes wounds are so hard and so deep within us, and sometimes they seem so impossible to get rid of. But help us to know that on the cross, where Jesus paid the price, we can be free. That we can know the experience of a newness of life as you work on people that are offending us, irritating us. Even if they repeat the same things, Lord, you're here to help us. 
Lord, we know that yours is a victory. We know that nothing happens without your permission. So if you're permitting things, it's because you're going to do a greater good. So I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters who are listening and bring them into a greater freedom that forgiveness brings and help them to reconcile with others as much as they can, knowing that you're in charge and that you want to bring us into harmony. The big prayer that Jesus prayed for us and we pray that, that we'd be one, even as you, Father and Son, are one. Help us to have that oneness. Lord, I ask your blessing now upon all who are listening and give them the power to just get more deeply into forgiveness from the heart, as you've asked us to do. The blessing of Almighty God, with the intercession of Mary, our mother, and Joseph, her spouse. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Father Francis Frankovich, retired priest of the Companions of the Cross, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for sharing your insight on forgiveness today. Okay, you're welcome. God bless you. God bless you too, Father. Have a great day. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And that is a wrap for today. Praise be to God, Father Frankovich. That was a great interview. You can find this interview if you go to YouTube. Uh, com forward slash CDT Catholic Drive Time on YouTube you should be able to find it if not this week the next week and uh, feel free to share this like it subscribe and share this interview far and wide we can't wait to hear you tomorrow or see you tomorrow and talk to you tomorrow but tomorrow will also be a pre-recorded show so we won't be in studio but don't worry we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming and a couple days this Friday we'll be back and tomorrow we'll be talking to Patrick Coffin a pre-recorded show that we did with Patrick Coffin and up and we have this week Gabriel Castillo and we have Awake Not Woke is coming up as well so all these interviews this week 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Eastern Time respectively God bless you God love you I can't wait uh, to see y'all back whenever we're live in the studio this Friday and no game show thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.